All right. Well, welcome to the Crazy Maker series, a new series that we're starting off here today. And it's a new series. If you don't know what a crazy maker is, then you just look around at your life and you say, this person makes me crazy and that makes them a crazy, mark, crazy maker. And all the people tell me, my wife makes me crazy and my boss makes me crazy and my sister makes me crazy. Well, this is the series that talks about how to deal with those crazy makers in our lives. You don't need to be looking at them right now. You can just be thinking about them. Okay, don't point and look at them just yet. Okay, we'll give you plenty of time to deal with them in a little bit. What we're going to do in this series is we're going to take a look at a passage from James chapter 3. And it's a passage that talks about the difference between godly wisdom and earthly wisdom. And we're going to take a look at that as like our baseline passage on how we should deal with the people around us who irritate us. And how we can deal with them in a godly way, in a wise way, as opposed to a foolish way. Speaking of foolish, once upon a time, a pastor went to go visit a lady. She was an old lady. She was a widow. And she was like 80 years old, something like that. And he was going like on the anniversary of her husband's uh, death or something like that. So he's going to visit her and console her and talk to her and stuff like that. So he sits down and they start chatting in the living room. And, you know, he knows there's some peanuts on the table. He hadn't eaten lunch. So, you know, he starts eating some of the peanuts. And, you know, with the peanuts, you can never just have just one, right? So he keeps on eating, keeps on eating, and they're chatting. And then he realizes he's eating all the peanuts. So he all of a sudden felt like kind of embarrassed. You know, he felt kind of awkward. So he says to her, you know, I'm sorry, I ate all your peanuts. And she says to him, no, 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 don't worry. Those aren't for me. Those are for guests. She says, you know, at my age, I can't really chew them. So after I suck the chocolate off, I just put them there for the guests. <laughs> I think that pastor felt a little foolish at the time. And we all know what it's see if we can eliminate some of the intentional foolishness that we do to ourselves. Obviously, we all are times that we're unintentional, like that poor pastor, okay, felt like a fool and it was outside of his control. But there's a lot of things that we do in life that are foolish. And there's no area where we display more foolishness than on our relationships with one another. And here's how I'm going to define that foolishness in our relationship. We do the very thing that provokes the very thing that we're trying to avoid. What we do provokes and elicits what we're trying to avoid. That's foolishness. And what we need to do in this series is we're going to take a look, like I said, and we're going to see not how I naturally want to respond to these situations in life. Because what I discovered is if you always go with what you naturally want to do, then most likely you're going to end up messing up your relationships in life. We want to go in a godly way and respond to people, especially irritating people, in a godly and wise kind of a way. We'll go to James chapter 3, from verse 13 to the end. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking ex self exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. First thing James does in this passage is he connects wisdom with conduct, not knowledge. Wisdom is not about your knowledge. It's not about here. Wisdom is not a head thing. Wisdom is an action thing. And he's saying, and you and I agree to this, there's a lot of people who may be intelligent, but they're fools. Do you know an intelligent fool? I know plenty of intelligent fools. There's a lot of people out there who got it up here, but this is out of sync. And that's what he's saying right here, is that we're not talking about here. 
talking about here. That's true wisdom. Let him show it by its good conduct. And then he talks about, look what he says right here, where envy, self-seeking exists, confusion, every evil thing are there. That's where a lot of us find some of our relationships. Confusion, self-seeking, every man for himself. Something's not right. We need to figure out how we can address those. And then he gives us these two golden verses, James 3, 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In this passage, in verse 17, he says the wisdom that's from above, and then he lists six criteria. And that's going to be our topic for today. We're talking about each of those six criteria of what wisdom that is from above is. How it's pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And then he gives like this, this statement at the end. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Saying that relationships, like we talked about in so many areas of our spiritual lives, in all of our lives, the law of, of sowing and reaping. That these six things, if you continue to sow these six things into your relationships, you will probably experience a fruit. What fruit? Peace. That's a good fruit. And if you do not sow these six things, then don't be surprised if you go back to confusion, self-seeking, and every evil thing. Six things that, that James teaches us here, and we're going to look at it like from the positive and the negative. Okay? Six things to do and six things to not do. Why this is so important. Yeah, you can take your time to read. Okay? Takes a little bit delayed reaction to me. That's okay. That's okay. Okay? What we're going to do in this series, why it's so important. Because now, okay, for those of you who don't know, we're starting the Lenten season. And we're talking about Good Friday coming up soon and Holy Week and Easter and Resurrection and all this kind of stuff. And you know that the one thing that can distract you from pursuing your relationship with God more than anything else is relationships. Right? Like, when the relationship is broke stand next to stones or during the kiss of peace thing. No one wants that weighing them down. As we approach Easter, and as we approach Good Friday, as we approach the most important time of the year for us, we need to make sure that we're clean here. Because Jesus connects you. can't love the Lord God with all soul, mind, and strength unless you love your neighbor as yourself. And there's so much a tendency to focus on love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we're going to focus on this series is how we can love our neighbor as ourselves so we can be free to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Does that make sense? We want to be free. I want to come to church, and I don't want to be thinking about this person said this, or I got to respond to this. I don't want to be thinking about that stuff. I want to clear this so that I can enjoy this. Here's what we're going to do. I did a little false advertising for you on this series. I told you it was crazy makers. Today we're going to start talking about you. Because I think that oftentimes we're the crazy makers. And a lot of our crazy making situations because we are the crazy makers. So we're going to eventually, yeah, we're going to talk about, you know, dealing with annoying people and, you know, diffusing anger and we're going to talk about all that stuff. But today we're going to take what James said and we're going to make sure that we ourselves are acting in a way of wisdom as far as those relating, as far as those that we relate with outside. We're going to look in the mirror before we look out the window. We're going to look in the mirror before we look out the window. Six points and you're going to judge yourself on these things. First one, James says the wisdom is first of all pure. Why he says wisdom is pure? What's the connection between wisdom and purity? What's pure mean? Let's try to break down that word pure. Pure means undefiled. Like, 
uncorrupted. It means that pure, it, what you see is what you get. So I'm going to change that word pure to a word that we talk about here at STSA, one of our core values, which is integrity. I believe that wisdom, first of all, the foundation of any good relationship has to be integrity. Why? Why is that so important? That I'm a man of my word, that I'm a man of integrity, that I'm a man who lives a pure life in order for me and you to have a relationship. What connects me and you in a relationship? Trust. Exactly. Trust is the foundation of all the relationships. Like, if you and I hang out together, like let's say a husband and a wife, live in the same house, but they don't trust each other. I can't really say they have a relationship. I'd say they, you know, have a partnership, have a financial agreement, but if there's no trust, it's not really a relationship. Same thing with a father and a son. If my kid doesn't trust me, then we don't really have a relationship to speak of. Let me say it another way. Little trust, little relationship. Big trust, big relationship. And we can say no trust, no relationship. Do you all agree? Foundation of any relationship has to be a life of integrity, has to be that I am who I say that I am, so that you can trust me, that you can relate to me and have... Now, again, before we look out the window, we're looking in the mirror. Very easy to think about all the other dishonest people out there and all the people who don't live a life of integrity and all the people out there who don't stick to their word. Very easy to see all of them. But maybe we need to check the mirror before we check the window. Y'all ever heard of a guy named Leonard Keeler? Ever heard of him? Leonard Keeler is a famous guy. He's the guy who invented the lie detector. And he, when he invented it several decades ago, tested over 25,000 people on his lie detector machine. And he wrote a book about his findings. And in his book, the summary of the book, he said the following, everyone lies. You didn't need to do 25,000 tests to tell you that. I could have told you that. Every one of us lies. We lie to each other. We lie to God. Most importantly, we lie to ourselves. And we are very, very good at lying to ourselves. You know how you know? Right now, there's another human being out there, right now, right now, who's trying to hurt you, who's talking bad about you, or who thinks bad about you. And he, in his mind, is convinced what he is doing is the perfectly right thing to do. And you're responding back in your own way, and you're convinced that you are perfectly right, and what you are doing is the right way to go. Right? Someone's got to be wrong. My point is, we are good at lying to ourselves. And we are good at convincing ourselves and justifying to ourselves whatever behavior we want to do, we justify it as the right thing. What I'm trying to say is, I never met anyone who thinks they're a bad guy. Your coworker who you think is the worst person in the world, she doesn't think she's a bad person. Your boss who you think he's the worst person, he doesn't think he's a bad person. Your mother, your brother, your sister, each one of them is operating under, I'm doing what's right. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is why the starting point of wisdom in our relationships is taking a look in the mirror and being people of integrity. Or as St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, I love how he says it, put away lying. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. We are members of one another. You cannot expect to have strong relationships in life as long as you are not honest with yourself and seeing yourself as you truly are. So therefore, our to-do item with, to, with this point, if I want to be wise in my relationships, 
I won't compromise my integrity. Like I said, we're going to see six characteristics of wisdom and then six action points that we are going to do or not do, six things to avoid, in order to be wise in our relationships. Won't compromise my integrity. Won't live a double life. Won't say one thing and do another thing. Won't just say something in front of you and say something behind you that's different. Won't do it. Can't do it. Won't live my life that way because that is the recipe for disaster. I'm going to be a man of integrity and I don't care if anyone knows it or sees it. I don't need to announce it. I'm going to live it and you're going to know it. And that's the starting point to life of wisdom and relationships. Said how King Solomon... We're going to see a lot of verses from Proverbs today because Proverbs talks all about wisdom. And Solomon was the man who had wisdom. And he says this about relationships. He who stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. You want a shield against the crazy makers? You want protection against them? You walk uprightly. Because when you walk uprightly, you live a righteous life. That becomes like a shield to you. And you walk, and people try to throw arrows, and try to, try to throw darts. But when you walk uprightly, God says, I'm the shield of the upright guy. I take care of the guy who walks in integrity. That's the foundation. First of all, pure life of integrity. Second characteristic of wisdom is wisdom is peaceable. Wisdom is peacemaking. Wisdom loves everyone to be at peace. What's the opposite of peacemaking? Fighting. Wars. Attacking. People who are wise don't walk around with chips on their shoulders. Don't look around to start fights. Now you say to yourself, hey, wait a minute. Who likes to start fights? You want to like to start fights? Come follow me on Twitter. Oh, read blogs online. What blogs are all about is somebody says something, somebody else says, you're wrong, I'm right. Go look at politics. You want to know what politics is all about? Is that someone saying, I'm right, you're wrong. By the way, I discovered, you know the etymology of the word politics? Okay, politics. Okay, it comes from, okay, it's Latin. Okay, so it comes from poly. Poly means many. Ticks means blood-sucking scoundrels. Okay. <laughs> So that's what politics is all about. <laughs> I just made that up, okay? So please, <laughs> D don't quote me on that one, okay? Be peaceable, okay? Don't, don't tweet me or comment on my blog or anything like that. <laughs> Stay away from me, okay? Look, I joke, I laugh. I honestly, I feel sorry for the people who live their whole life to take other people down. I feel sorry for them. Like, sometimes people will come to me and get me riled up. Hey, you know, someone said this about you and someone said this. I'm like, hey, you know, like, honestly, I'm not just saying it. Like, I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them because I know if that's the way they're living, like, I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying it in a, it's a foolish way. That's a foolish way if you're always trying to convince everyone else that they're wrong so that you can make yourself feel like you're right. So we're going to do, if I want to be wise in my relationships, I won't antagonize anger in others. I will not antagonize anger. And my wife, and my kids, and my coworker, my boss, and the guy working at the Jiffy Lube, I will not antagonize anger in others. I will not push buttons. I will do my best to calm situations. And you know sometimes you don't start it, but you sure do fan it, and you sure do make it bigger. I'm going to be a peacemaking person as opposed to being an egger honor of anger. Proverbs 20, verse 3. It's quick to quarrel. Let's be honest. Okay, let's be honest. Let's all put down our guard here and be honest. You. 
let's be honest. Let's not pretend it's not there. And what do we usually do is when I get irritated by that person, then I try to look for ways to irritate them back. And we study. And we do this subconsciously. And then all of a sudden we discover a weakness. And we file that away. Ah, hot button here. And that gets filed away, okay, until the, it's like the, the fire extinguisher, use in case of emergency. That person hurts me, smash the glass, bring it out, and go straight to their weak spot. And this now becomes a weapon of mass destruction that can be used to destroy people. We file it away. That's how we are. We smile, we nod. We all, that's the way we all are. The truth is that all of us have things about one another that, that, that bug us. But let's not fan the flame. Let's try to let things go. There was a, a, a psychologist, William James, famous psychologist you may have heard from, who said, wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook. I love that. Wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook. We don't overlook serious things, okay? Like, yeah, your husband bothers you, your wife bothers you. Yeah, you talk to them. But not everything needs to bother everybody. Not everything needs to be a, a situation and a, and a comment, okay? Like everything, some things, we can just roll them off and say, it's okay. That's what peaceable means to me. Proverbs 14, 29. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. If you struggle with this, especially online, because online it is easy to hit send impulsively, right? We've all done it. We all wish that we could stick our hands in the computer and grab it back out. But you can't. If you struggle with this, slow down. Just slow down. Just slow down. I'm not saying don't like you feel, all right, all right, okay, do it. But just wait. Just sleep on it one night. Let the email sit in the drafts. Don't fire off that comment. Hold off on that tweet. Because you very, 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 very regret waiting. But you often forget firing. Agree? Wisdom is peaceable. Number three, wisdom is gentle at all times. Wisdom is gentle, and I added this word at all times. And I'll tell you why I added this word, word at all times. I'm going to go to another verse from Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, where St. Paul says this. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Why gentle? What is gentleness, and why gentleness? All right. So I'm going to give you a very, very deep, okay, study on the Greek words of gentleness and all. Dig into each of these words. Gentleness. What does gentleness mean? What does gentleness mean? I'll give you some synonyms. Considerate. That's it. it means every situation. It means no exceptions. It means be gentle, courteous, considerate when you are talking to your husband, talking to your wife. You're talking to your friend? Be considerate when you're talking to the waiter over at the Pollo Rico. Be considerate when the cashier didn't give you enough change. Be considerate when you're driving down the street and that idiot cuts you off again. Be considerate in all situations, at all times, with all men. This was gentle. Jesus was not a pushover. But Jesus always considered others over himself in every situation in life. What if they're rude? All. What if they're obnoxious? All. What if they're my in-laws? All. All means all. And there is nothing outside of all. Wisdom does not respond eye for eye. 
Wisdom is above I fry. Wisdom is not a reaction. You did this tit for tat. Wisdom is above that. And wisdom knows that the weakest position to be in life is in a response position. You hit me, so I hit you. That's the weakest level of living. You badmouth me, I badmouth you. You comment on my blog, I'm gonna comment on your blog. That's the weakest position to be in in life. The strongest position is, you did this, you did that, I'm still in control. On this one, okay, of the six, this one is not my best one. This one's hard for me, okay? I struggle with this gentleness sometimes. So I want to tell you about a couple specific things that God has been really revealing to me, like outside of this, but God has been working with me on this gentleness thing, and kind of two little mini lessons, okay? Two little mini lessons that I've learned over the past couple weeks. Okay, just follow me here then. That's <laughs> okay. The first thing is when we listen to words and ignore feelings, all right? When we listen to words, words, there we go. Reacting to words and ignoring feelings. I read this story that tells about this point. A kid went to a new school, a young kid, let's say, you know, second grade, third grade, whatever it is, goes to a new school. The kid sees, he walks in the classroom with the teacher, and he sees a toy that's broken on the ground. Make very happy. Why? What was the kid asking? With, like, his words were the toy. What was his emotions? What happens if I mess up? What's going to happen to me if I mess up? And the teacher said, it's okay. People mess up all the time. Left, feeling good. See the difference? Emotions versus words. Because we need to get to the point where we don't just listen to what words but look beyond the words and see the emotion or the feeling that people are feeling. That's why, like I said, someone blasts you. Don't listen to the words. Go to the emotion. What are they feeling? They're probably feeling insecure. They're probably feeling hurt. The rudest people are the most insecure people. And that's why, like I said, I feel bad for them. And that's why we wish no evil, like we, we, we feel bad for them when that happens. That's the way Jesus was. The people who were crucifying them, he felt bad for them. Like, y'all, y'all missing out here. I want you to try to see when someone is so irritating to you that maybe there's an emotion behind that that's beyond the words. Y'all catch what I'm saying? Romans chapter 15, verse 1. Very good. It says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Like, let's we who are strong not tit for tat with people. And we understand that this person had a rough day at home and had a rough day at the office and had a rough day here and there. So then they come see me and they're a little sharp with me. It's okay. Be gentle back. Don't sharp to sharp. It's okay. We who are strong, we bear with the scruples of the weak and realize that, you know what? Man, if I was in his situation, this is what priesthood taught me. So I used to be judgmental and I would judge people. And then they'd come and sit with me. I'd be like, man, if I had your situation, I'd be 10 times more obnoxious than you. Don't respond to the words. Try to see the feelings. And the second thing that I learned, okay, is invalidating feelings thing to avoid, mistake. Invalidating feelings that we don't feel. I'll give you a dumb example, and then I'll show you a real example. A dumb example. They say, no, 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 it's hot in here. She says, it's cold. I don't feel cold. So as, far as, as long as I don't feel cold, therefore it must not be cold. Is it possible 
that she could feel cold, and I could not feel cold, but it could actually be cold? Dumb example, okay, dumb example, but that's how life is. I feel angry. Well, you shouldn't feel angry, but I feel angry. But you don't, shouldn't feel angry. Why should I feel angry? Because I'm not angry. Just because I'm not angry doesn't mean that you don't have a right to feel angry. Do you see where I'm going with this? Because sometimes we tell people they don't have a right to feel how they feel. And we treat feelings like facts. And we say, no, this is not true. But it's not a fact. It's a feeling. And I have a right to feel angry. And I don't have to justify my anger to you or explain to you why I'm angry. I feel angry. Well, now, what I do with my anger, cold and hot at the same time, yes. Is it possible that everything could be okay here and very stressed out here? Yes. Everyone has a right to have feelings. That's why I say the guy. That. When we invalidate feelings, we make the person feel that big. Don't we? When we tell someone, all right, how about this? Let's flip it, because I'm, I'm doing on the attacking side. Let's do on the feeling side. When someone tells us that we don't have a right to feel how we feel, it makes us feel that big, doesn't it? It makes us feel worthless. It makes us feel like we're zero. When I say, this is how I'm feeling, and someone says, no, you shouldn't feel that way. Wisdom doesn't minimize others' feelings. That's what gentleness is to me. It means that I acknowledge your feelings even though I don't feel them. I try to understand them even though I don't really understand them. But I at least accept it that that's how you're feeling and I don't minimize them or invalidate them. All right, moving right along. Number four, wisdom. So we got pure, we got uh, gentle, and then we got peaceable, or peaceable than gentle. Now we got number four is willing to yield. What does willing to yield mean? This means that you are willing to listen, willing to discuss. You are not a stubborn person. A person who doesn't yield is a stubborn person. This is the way it is to yield. Are you willing to listen? You need to examine our reasonability or our unreasonability and the way that you can tell. I'll ask you a question. Why is it that we don't like to yield? Why is it that we are stubborn? Let's practice the last gentleness one. What's the emotion behind it? That's all it is. Someone who refuses to listen is insecure because I have to show that I'm right. So therefore, even if you are right, I can't tell you that you're right because that means I'm wrong. But a secure person, a wise person knows that me being wrong about this doesn't make me a bad person or doesn't make me uh, a worthless person. It just means that someone else had a better point of view than me. Funny story. One day, a pastor in a church, the pastor fell down. Okay, I mean, I cannot feel for the guy. He put all his effort in the sermon. Some guy tell him it stinks. He's feeling discouraged. And he's kind of all and this guy comes up to him and he sees that he feels discouraged. He said, what's wrong? And he said, you know, Jim told me my sermon stinks. The guy wanted to encourage him. He said, no, 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 don't worry about Jim. Don't worry, that's not Jim is. Okay? Jim, you can't take anything he says seriously. All he does is just repeat what everyone else says. Like he doesn't. <laughs> Number four here. If I want to be wise, I will listen. I will listen to feedback and criticism. Now this one I put in the positive, okay? Because I didn't want to feel like, but really what I want to say, or he's stubborn, but we'll listen. We'll listen to feedback, and then maybe if we're secure enough, we can even venture off into criticism. 
And I know it's not going to be easy, but we'll let other people tell us, hey, I think you could use some work on this. This isn't uh, maybe necessarily your best gift. Like, we'll, we'll give people a chance to speak with us. I love this verse from Proverbs 12.1. It says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. He who hates correction is, say it out loud, stupid. <laughs> it's not me, it's the Bible. This is every junior high kid's favorite verse in the Bible, okay? Whoever loves instruction, loves knowledge. Whoever wants to be better, tell me how I can improve. Whoever wants to look better, is different than wants to be better. Stupid. I read a nice quote. It said, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, it took me a couple seconds. Think about that one again. Even a broken clock is right two times a day, right? So even your buddy who's wrong about everything, even the sun might shine on him one of these days too, and he might, he might say something right as well. Number five, wisdom is full of mercy. And as it said, it said wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. Wisdom is full of mercy, meaning that we are full of grace when people mess up, when people drop the ball, when people make a mistake. You all know people in your life who are merciful, and you know people who are not. People who you walk on eggshells around them because the smallest mistake, and it's your head off. And it's got to be an email sent to everybody in the whole wide world telling everyone about what I did at the last year's Thanksgiving. And then you know there's people who cover. Who's the number one person who covers mistakes? Jesus. Like that's what he was sent to do. What did Jesus do on the cross? No, that's okay. They don't know what they're doing. That's okay. That's okay. Samaritan woman, that's okay. That's okay. This should be okay. If I want to be wise, I won't emphasize other people's mistakes. I'll try to cover people's mistakes. I'll try to blot them out. Ask yourself. Where are you on mercy? You a big deal out of things, or you let things go? If you're really secure, and you're a man, ask your wife. Ask your kids. Ask your friends. Ask them. Like if you're if you if you if you're secure enough and you're strong enough to ask, ask them. Hey, am I a mer merciful person? If they start laughing on the floor, that's your message. You need to work on this area. True story. Married couple that been married for more than 45 years. True story. Married couple more than 45 years. What's the secret of your marriage? True story. Separate. They both said the same thing. You know what they said? They didn't like agree to this, but they just both said the same thing. She said, I never tried to change her. I never tried to change her. And he said the exact same thing. I never tried to change her. You know what that is? That's mercy. Any two people in this world, if you want to have a strong relation, a strong relationship between two people is not a relationship where people don't make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. A strong relationship between two people is where we are very forgiving. And we forgive each other's mistakes. That's the only way our relationship with God works. Not because we're perfect, because we're not, but because He's constantly forgiving. And if you and I want to have a relationship with each other, you're going to need to forgive me, and I'm going to need to forgive you. That's the only way it works. And we're not here to change each other or to force fit each other into what we want them to be. We're to accept each other 
and forgive each other. And if you say, well, I just can't take this person without changing, that's what engagement is for. Then you break it. Then you don't get married to each other. But if you're already married, Now, with that said, before I just go off and end all the marriages right here, okay, is that that doesn't mean that they shouldn't work on changing themselves, okay? But that means that you shouldn't change them. Like, I can't tell you to change. You be this, you be this. Okay, I can help you, but you need to change yourself, and I need to change myself, okay? So just, just so we understood that, and I'm not saying that, you know, as he is, he should be forever, okay? I'm not saying it like that. Last component of mercy is wisdom. I'm sorry, of wisdom. Wisdom is without partiality and without hypocrisy. Y'all know what hypocrisy means in the Bible. The Greek word that comes, that gives us the word hypocrisy. Okay, so the Greeks were the people who, in, in, they're the ones who invented like theater and drama and stage. And the way they would do it is that I would come out like these things. And I'd have a mask. Okay, then I'd go back behind stage and I'd come out with a new mask and I'm a new character. So that word for mask word is hypocrites. That's in front of you, and then over here at work, I put on a new face, and then over here with the in-laws, I put on another face, and then with my kids, I put on another face. If I want to be wise in my relationships, again, I made this into a positive, I will be sincere. The negative is, I will not be insincere, obviously, but I try to make it positive. I'll be authentic. Look, you agree with me or disagree with me on this one. Authenticity, sincerity, can cover a multitude. It's going to be hard for us to really relate to one another. If you remember in the last series, we talked about spiritual sweat. That whole series was about... Because sincerity will cover Six keys to wisdom. Six keys to relating wisely. Next week, we're going to look out the window. Before we look out the window, we look in the mirror. We're going to make sure that on these six, we understand what we need to do. Don't work on all six this week. Find the one, like I said, for me, I know which one jumped out at me. That gentleness one jumped out and said, do that one. So I know what I need to work on. Which one jumped out at you? The mercy one? The willing to yield one, the listening, the peaceable one. Which one jumped out at you? Make it a goal that you're going to work on the one that jumped out at you this week. And hopefully, if we keep planting those seeds, you'll start to see some real improvement in your relationships. And, last thing, in addition, what we're going to do here in this series is I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a message here every Sunday about a different component of dealing with crazy makers. But this is just the start. Because the truth is, is that I can't, it's one of those things that we need to kind of discuss and kind of get some different in inputs. Because I don't go to work in your environment. So I don't really know about the crazy makers in your work. My corporate environment is, is a little bit different than yours. I'm not married to your wife. I'm not married to your husband. I definitely don't got your kids, your parents. So. We need a little bit of time to break this down in discussion. That's why, with this series, I'm encouraging everyone to dig deeper into the series by joining a six-week life group. 
What's a life group? A life group is a chance for you to get together and get connected with a group here from our church. And there's, there's, there's life groups that meeting all over Northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland, all, all times of the week, weekends, weeknights, all kinds of different stuff. You can go back to that back table back there where Sandra's sitting. You can see all the list of the life groups. When they're meeting, they're starting this week. Six-week commitment. That's all I'm asking you for is six weeks. After six weeks, if you say they're all my crazy makers, then that's fine. Six weeks, that's, that's fine. But give six weeks a try in these discussions. Actually, it's going to be based on the, the, the message from Sunday. So we're going to, y'all will review the message from Sunday. Then y'all will dig deeper on each of the points that I talked about here. And hopefully learn from one another and pray for one another that we can have a revival in our relationship both in the church and outside the church. Okay? So hopefully everybody stop by that back table. They group starts later on this evening. It's Monday, group Tuesday, whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay? Let's stand up for a prayer, please. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for the way that you look at us with eyes of mercy at all times. You always cover our mistakes. You're always gentle with us, Lord. Lord, we pray that during this series that you would fill our hearts with your love, like a divine love that can't be manufactured here on this earth, so that we could start to be like you, and that we could start to relate to others, and people would, would look at us and see like you inside of us. And it wouldn't be our words or our temper or our impatience or our anything, Lord, but you would shine through all those things and you would make us somehow patient, make us gentle, make us pure, make us peaceable, make us willing to yield. Make us merciful, Lord, and make us sincere and authentic in everything that we do when it comes to our relationship with one another. Lord, we're really praying that, that this series would be like revival in so many relationships, would bring like a new level of relating to one another in a godly, Christ-like manner. Pray that you would really strengthen us, Lord, to overcome our natural weaknesses so that we can live how we want to live and live with this fruit of peace in all of our relationships. We pray this in the name of your Son, the intercessions and prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Have a great day, guys. See you all next week.